Hello and welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Benny Lewis. Today I will be hosting by myself and I'm going to be talking with Liz from Talk the Streets. She specializes in helping people learn Portuguese. So this is not just Brazilian Portuguese, but especially European Portuguese. Because of that, we go through a few topics like why Portugal in terms of why is it good to live there? Why is it good for entrepreneurs? We talk about some of the differences between Brazilian Portuguese and European Portuguese and why she selected European Portuguese. And of course, we get into resources that may be useful if you are in particular trying to learn European Portuguese, as well as some culture shocks that Liz dealt with when she was living there and her general learning approach. So we'll get into all of that and more in today's interview. And if you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. And without any further ado, let's get into today's interview. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 82. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I am your host, Benny Lewis, and I will be hosting this one by myself today, but I will be having a very interesting conversation with Liz from Talk the Streets. Now, Liz has her undergraduate in Spanish and Portuguese from the University of Manchester, and she began to actually take that academic background and turn it into a more practical use of Portuguese, having lived in both Brazil and Portugal. And now she has a huge passion for Portugal, especially, and she helps uh, expats who are moving to Portugal to improve the Portuguese and get better with their accent and to just embrace the, the local culture. So I would love to hear your story and how you got started with all this, Liz. So welcome to the show and let's kick it off with, could you give us your whole background of like, why did you get into Spanish and Portuguese in university and how did it develop from there? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So yeah, I guess I came to languages through quite a traditional route. I learned Spanish at school and I'm one of those kids who just liked things that they were good at. And I was good at Spanish quite quickly. And so it was just something I always enjoyed. And then when it came time to pick what I was going to do at university, lots of universities offered the option to study Portuguese as well. And so I didn't give it much thought. I thought, yeah, that sounds like fun. That sounds like something I'd like to do. Um, so it wasn't really until I, I started picking up Portuguese from scratch at the age of 18 that I started to get so into it because it just seemed so much more underrated and underrepresented than, than Spanish. So I got really, really curious about it. I remember so clearly going down to the academic bookstore to get my textbooks for Portuguese, and it was filed under miscellaneous languages. And I thought, huh, what's going on here? It's a really important language, you know, sixth biggest language in the world. So why is it not getting so much attention? From that moment, so that was all the way back in 2005, that was when I decided, you know what, I think my mission is actually to bring Portuguese culture and the Portuguese language uh, to more people so more people can appreciate it. So yeah, from there, I started organizing Portuguese society. Again, it didn't even exist at my university. The Spanish one was huge. There were bar crawls and trips and, and events. 
And I thought, well, why is nothing going on for Portuguese? So I guess, yeah, I've always been one of those people who, who sees a, a void and steps into it. And so I said, cool, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to set up the Portuguese Society. So that was how I first came to learning Portuguese and, and visiting Portugal for the first time. I arranged a trip for our group to Porto all the way back in 2006. So before it was cool. And it was just, it just captured me instantly. I think Portugal is such a warm and welcoming place, but also has so much history and character, but also this this idea that it is just slightly more understated and underrated than perhaps its its noisy neighbor, as we call it playfully, Spain. So I, you know, just loved the idea that I could speak a language that was a little bit different when it came time to actually do my year abroad as part of my, my language degree. I'll be honest, I had my sights set on Brazil. <laughs> I was supposed to go to João Pessoa, where my university had a partnership. So I was I was ready for it. I was ready for my caipirinhas on the beach. And then, unfortunately, I got ill. I couldn't go. I missed the start date. My friends went without me. I was heartbroken. And eventually, you know, when I got better, they said, well, listen, you could go and do an Erasmus semester in Coimbra in Portugal. And I thought... It doesn't sound as cool, but okay, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and, you know, what do you know? I fell in love a second time around um, with, with Portugal and it, and it turned out to be exactly what I needed at the time. Uh, I don't know if you know Coimbra at all, but it's a very historical city. It's one of the oldest universities in, in Europe. And so that's, that really cemented the love affair because I had such a brilliant time there that I, I thought, yeah, Portugal, I always say Portugal is like a warm hug <laughs> whenever you go there. And so that's how I, that's how I first came to, to Portuguese, um, via the academic route. And then how did that develop into you, like just beginning your time living in Portugal? to growing your own company and like uh, how did you decide that you were going to help other people with their Portuguese journey? So I decided that I needed a change from living in London. So once I graduated, I did the usual working corporate job in, uh, in, in a big city, uh, which I loved for a long time. Um, but there came a point where I thought, huh, I think I need a change. I need a change of pace. Things weren't quite the way I wanted them. So when it came time to think about, well, where would I go? Where would I start again? What's this new adventure that I want to kind of go on? It was Portugal was the first place that that came to mind. You know, I spoke the language. I've, I've always had a good time there. So yeah, back in 2015, I just spent a summer in Lisbon to kind of dip my toe, see what I thought, if I could see myself there. And very, very quickly, I thought, this is such a great place to be, incredible quality of life, so much culture, so many great people. Um, so by 2017, I had moved here permanently. And it wasn't long before I realized, again, that people were really struggling with the language, partly due to the fact that there's very little out there. If you Google learn Portuguese, I mean, you know very well what's going to come up. It's going to be Brazilian Portuguese which of course I did end up going to Brazil and I, I have studied Brazilian Portuguese as well. But it's quite different if you're coming to Portugal and you're only used to hearing Brazilian Portuguese, you're going to have the shock of your life. <laughs> so I, I kind of realized that there was this huge gap, particularly in online, playful, fun, engaging content online for helping people with European Portuguese. So many of my friends were asking me for help and it all just kind of naturally went from there. I thought to myself, okay, maybe I 
again, maybe I can step into this void. Maybe I can provide a perspective of somebody who's not a native speaker of Portuguese, but who's gone through the journey of learning it. And maybe everything I've gone through in my language learning journey in the last, you know, 15 years or so can help other people. So that's when I decided to, to switch to teaching and to start the YouTube channel. So as you know, I've got experience with Brazilian Portuguese myself, and I've also got experience with other European languages that have counterparts in the Americas. So I know Quebec French, and I know several brands of Latin American Spanish. And from the little I know of European Portuguese, I would say that there is definitely more of a difference between European Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese than there is between European Spanish and multiple varieties of Latin American Spanish and European French and Canadian French. So for people who, like myself, only have experience with Brazilian Portuguese, how would you describe to, to a newcomer what the biggest things they should keep in mind? What are the biggest differences between European Portuguese and Brazilian? Yeah, I think what you brought up there was really helpful because people usually assume like, oh, it's just like British English and American English, or like you mentioned, European Spanish and, and, and Latin American Spanish is actually a much bigger difference here in many, many ways. So the first one is pronunciation. So things are pronounced significantly differently in, in Brazil. So when people are using you know, Duolingo, for example, which is the first thing people reach for when they're learning a language, that's the pronunciation that they're going to hear. And that's not the way things are pronounced um, in Portugal. So pronunciation is a factor. Vocabulary is a factor. But again, like the other variations, you will be understood if you use different words. But the, but the big difference for me is that there are a lot of grammatical differences, mainly because Brazilian Portuguese does have fewer rules. <laughs> it's, it's simply a fact. People often ask me, which one do you like best? And I, I'll never comment on that, but I, I will say it's a fact that it's easier to learn Brazilian Portuguese. We need to do fewer conjugations. We have less to worry about in terms of position of where things are going in a sentence. And so that is a, a really, really major factor. The other factor is that as I was talking about pronunciation, European Portuguese is very closed. We do a lot of closed vowels, a lot's happening deep down in our throat, whereas Brazilian Portuguese is closer to Spanish in the sense that we use a lot of open vowels and things are happening a lot more forward in our mouth. It can be very, very difficult to hear and decipher what's going on when you're listening to European Portuguese because it all sounds very swallowed in the throat and words kind of run into one. And that's really the main difficulty that people face, which is why, again, I decided that I really wanted to create this place where, there, where people could listen um, to, to the way people speak in Portugal because it just wasn't that common to be able to hear it. I've got a bit of a challenging question for you now. For people who have on, uh, exposure to Brazilian Portuguese and they hear European Portuguese, they may their initial reaction may be, I don't like how it sounds. So what would you say to encourage or inspire somebody who initially is put off because they just don't like the sound of European Portuguese? What would you say to inspire them to maybe consider learning European Portuguese? Yeah, it's interesting because it's true that they're, like I mentioned, the closed vowels and we have a lot of shh sounds, like people often say it almost sounds like Russian and there are definitely certain influences, you know, from Eastern languages there. Yeah, it's true that, that people feel put off by it. 
But I, I obviously, I personally, I think it's lovely. And especially when you listen to something like a Fado song, which is the, you know, the traditional music in Portugal that is so soulful and so moving. You can read, there are certain parts about the culture that you really can only experience if you're going to, to kind of listen to the language. And it's, it's simply different, but it really is, you know, being able to, to listen to and enjoy the language really is, you know, as you know, a window into being able to experience a, a culture. So it's interesting, even in, in, in Brazil, they will put subtitles on if a Portuguese person is speaking, that's how much difficulty people have understanding it. So there's definitely a, a gap there for sure. Oh, not only that, I, I have Brazilian friends who were, who visited Portugal and uh, one of them told me he had such difficulty that he actually had to resort to speaking English, oh, which, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. which really demonstrates the gap that, you know, in in some other language families, they they would probably count as different languages. You know, yeah. Um. So if somebody uh, is looking to learn European Portuguese, like you said, most resources they're going to find are going to be about Brazilian Portuguese. So what resources would you recommend for somebody who wants to really focus on the European version? So there's more and more becoming available. I actually think that, you know, recent events where everything's had to move online has made more things available. So you can do simple swaps. So instead of Duolingo that only has Brazilian Portuguese, you could look at something like Memrise that does have Portuguese content. Apps like Drops, something that I absolutely love as well, Lyrics Training. Uh, dot com uh, where you can listen to, to Portuguese music and they'll just put the flag in the corner so you, you'll see whether it's whether it's Brazilian or or if it's from from Portugal. We're starting to get content on Netflix now, which is very exciting. <laughs> and uh, and Disney Plus, I I was looking into watching Ducktales because I was getting very <laughs> reminiscent. And when I selected Portuguese, it was just in European Portuguese. Yeah, and it can I mean it can depend where you are as well as to how much how much is available, but. Um, uh, yeah, you know, these streaming platforms now um, have all these options. The, un- the unfortunate thing about Disney Plus is I got super excited because, of course, you can hear the audio because in Portugal, we don't actually dub movies only for children. So that's why the content you're finding is going to be aimed at kids. So we're able to listen, but unfortunately, the subtitles don't match up, um, which is something that is frustrating for language learners because to have both would be the the absolute tip top. But we're hoping that more stuff is coming soon. Um, in a few weeks time, we're going to have some shows on Netflix and things like that. So there's definitely more and more available and on YouTube as well. So many teachers have turned to YouTube um, to kind of keep their businesses alive kind of in recent months. So there's definitely more and more now if you do search for the European Portuguese. Another thing that you're clearly passionate about, the country of Portugal. What inspires you to live in Portugal? And on top of that, I am noticing a lot of expats are, are picking Portugal in particular to kind of move to either uh, for a year or even permanently to set up their businesses. So why is that? Why, why is Portugal suddenly uh, emerging as this uh, hotspot for entrepreneurs? I could talk all day about why I love Portugal. I mean, the obvious things are the incredible quality of life. Uh, you know, we're by the sea. We have 300 days of sunshine in Lisbon. We have 
all the wonderful um, seafood, wine, all of that great stuff, the beach. But in addition to that, I think it, it's more than that. It's um, it's a very safe country. Uh, it always ranks in the top three of the safest countries in the world, which is a concern for a lot of people all over the world, particularly now. Um, it's kind of location geographically. We're sort of on the edge of Europe. So you, the rest of Europe is easily accessible, but so is the States on the other side. And, you know, Portugal was very badly hit by the recession um, back in 2008. So when it was sort of trying to come out of that very difficult time, you know, one of the policies was how can we attract more people to, to kind of come and live here? Um, so by the time it got to, uh, you know, 2014, 2015, um, Lisbon kind of put itself on the map as a location, not only for people retiring, which has always been the case, people wanting to retire to kind of Southern Europe, but also, um, as you mentioned, younger entrepreneurs, people who are digital nomads and who are looking for a safe, nice cool spot um, to, to settle. So different incentives were put in place for that. And it's it's kind of, it's boomed for sure uh, in the last, you know, five or six years since I've, since I've been living here, especially. And uh, what have been the biggest uh, cultural shocks for you or the surprises and difference between British culture and Portuguese culture? Well, I've had to learn to be a lot more laid back. Uh, I've had to focus on my patience. <laughs> so uh, that was something I struggled with when I lived in Brazil as well. And, um, you know, plans are very loose. Uh, they may or may not happen. They may or may not happen on time. You may be waiting an extra hour to, to pay your bill um, and things like this. Um, so those those things, you know, are, are kind of obvious. But, you know, I, I did also think that speaking Portuguese would make certain things easier, you know, certain bureaucratic things. But it um, unfortunately, it doesn't. It just it depends on who you get that day behind the desk, whether they want to be helpful or not. Um, so, so yeah, there was, there was definitely cult, little cultural shots that I that I needed to to get used to. But overall, I've enjoyed the difference in culture because one of the things that was getting me down in London was the the relentless hustle and bustle and fast paced life. So, uh, you know, it was also a conscious decision to come somewhere where the pace of life wasn't quite so frantic. Given the amount of time you've spent there and the kind of work you do, you've obviously pushed your Portuguese to a really high level. Was there a moment for you where you realized, you know, I have a mastery level of Portuguese now? I'm. Was there a eureka moment? Was there an interaction you had with a, a local that showed you that you've gone to the next level here? You know, language learning at the end of the day is about building connection with other people. So when you make special friendships entirely in another language, that's when you feel like, yeah, I, I've made it, I can do this. So I'm so lucky to get on so well with my neighbours in my building. Again, that's another thing that I, I never knew my neighbours in London, whereas here, you know, I can I can knock on their door and be invited in for, you know, a glass of uh, port or some achosh pato or whatever they're eating. And that's, and that's really, really special to be able to become part, um, part of a community um, rather than feel like you're observing. What kind of techniques do you have in uh, Talk the Streets? Like, how can you, if somebody is deciding, you know, I want to live in Portugal, I want to speak Portuguese, what method do you use to to kind of guide them in that direction? So I usually focus on three key areas. Um, the first of which is pronunciation. I will always start with that foundation, because particularly because we have these sounds 
in Portuguese that are so alien, particularly for native English speakers. We have nasal sounds. We have four different ways to pronounce the S depending on where it is in the word. So I, rather than starting with my name is and I live in, um, we will always, always start with, with pronunciation because it's the key to being understood, but also understanding other people and being able to tune your ear into the way that they speak, which we've already mentioned is, is difficult here. But then I also focus on real life Portuguese. So I really, really try and make everything that I teach super relevant to people's day to day life, because I, again, I also noticed that there was this huge disconnect between what's taught in the classroom and the way people talk in the streets. So that's why I called it Talk the Streets, so that people could actually start to get this insight into, well, what are these words that they're saying and why are they pronouncing it like that? And why is that the rhythm? And so really trying to bring it to uh, a way that's very relevant to people's kind of everyday life. And the third thing I always focus on is I will, I will always say only essential grammar. I'm not one of those people who says no grammar because <laughs> I'm a bit of a grammar nerd myself. And I do think that a certain amount of it is necessary to understand um, how to build your sentences and how to make sense. But I'm very, very adamant that we shouldn't let it overwhelm us because we know that in traditional language schools, you'll go in and you'll be hit with a barrage of grammatical jargon that you don't understand and it immediately turns people off. So I'm very focused on making sure that we cover what we need to know when we need to know it, nothing more, nothing less, so that all of those three things can kind of work together to give people a good baseline to then go out and practice, you know, speak as soon as possible, um, make your mistakes, because I always say that, you know, Portugal should be your classroom rather than the classroom itself. If somebody's coming with like an intermediate level of Portuguese and they really want to get that accent down, are there techniques that are useful for focusing on trying to sound more like a local? Like, do you try to get them to repeat music or do you teach them some uh, phonetic rules? Like, well, what's your process there? Yeah, so we will. So I have several sounds that I think are the most difficult ones to tackle in Portuguese. Something that people will always get wrong is when uh, words are ending in an M. Um, and I hear lots of bom dia and sim uh, instead of nice nasal bom dia sim, you know. Um, so we will always make sure that people are working on that. And yeah, I do try and root it in stuff that they're going to be interested in and that will actually also um, expose them to the culture. So things like music and lyrics training, my students love this. We have, we have what I call lyrical bingo, where we pick out words that are really, um, important for them to be kind of drilling and practicing because they have difficult sounds in them and they have to, you know, find those words in the song and really listen to how the artist is actually singing it. Um, and by connecting it to music, which is something that's fun and enjoyable and people can have on in the background when they're washing their dishes or doing whatever, it starts to become part of their day to day life. Um, and you're really able to, you know, start to immerse yourself. So I think it's a great way to be able to get to know the culture better, but also really perfect, um, as you say, the way that you're that you're speaking as well. Do you have any plans to expand Talk the Streets or what are your uh, future objectives? Like you said, you don't have to worry about the hustle so much in Portugal. <laughs> but even so, like, uh, where do you see the future of uh, your work going? Yeah, so I've been so lucky since I started the channel 18 months ago. We're over 30,000 subscribers now. So it really has shown me that there is a demand for this. When I first started, I thought, 
well, maybe no one's doing this on YouTube because no one's interested. Nobody wants to, to learn it. But as soon as I started, so many people were saying, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. I'm so glad that I'm you know, finally seeing and being able to learn more about Portugal and Portuguese as it's spoken there. So yeah, the channel's going super strong. I started um, an online program uh, where I'd be working with beginners. Um, so the next stage is to be able to work with people uh, who are intermediate. And I've, yeah, I've spent over a year now kind of perfecting the, the first program that will take people from their first words to their first conversation. Um, so now it's a chance to, to really dig deeper into the into the trickier stuff but also challenge the students to uh you know like i say come into contact more more exciting people i want to continue to not only provide really top quality educational content but as i say bring portugal to the world and make it raise, raise the visibility of it and there are so many uh exciting things that we can do and also also other types of portuguese um i've already done a video on angolan portuguese we've got one coming up on uh, portuguese from uh, kate verd so there's yeah there's endless stuff that, that we can do so <laughs> i'm very excited <laughs> Amazing. And we will be sure to link to all of that in the show notes so people can uh, check out your channel and begin learning more about Portuguese uh, from not just necessarily uh, the big uh, Brazilian Portuguese. And um, one question we do like to ask all of our guests on the show is, what is your definition of language hacking? My definition of language hacking is believing that you can do it because confidence is such a key cornerstone to actually actually achieving this. You know, we all say, fake it till you make it. Don't worry about your own mistakes. Really what I try and instill in my students is just progress over perfection. If you're waiting for perfection to, to open your mouth to speak, then you're going to stay silent. You're going to be an observer. You're going to remain this kind of tourist in this place that you want to call, call home. Um, so as long as you can be brave and curious, those are the things that I think will allow you to, to really hack any language, but works for Portuguese too. Excellent stuff. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was very interesting and I hope people check you out, especially if they're curious about European Portuguese. So thank you, Liz. And I will wish everyone listening very happy language learning. All right. So at the end of these episodes, I always like to talk about uh, take away some of the biggest uh, nuggets that I personally got from the conversation. And I really liked what Liz said about um, her attitude to classrooms, because uh, we do tend to get inundated with grammar and the more academic side of languages. And she said that with people who work with her and for her personally, Portugal is your classroom. I really like that quote because uh, wherever we may go in our travels and the cultures that we tend to interact with, even if we can't travel there, we should think of those cultures and places to be our classroom. So things like learning through music, trying to make friends in the language. This makes such a huge difference, especially if you have been overwhelmed with an academic approach in the past. So that was my biggest takeaway that to help with progress over perfection is that you just really need to always a good reminder that you really need to embrace the culture over the technical aspects of the language. So that would be my biggest takeaway from this uh, great chat with Liz. And I hope that you check out her stuff and I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. 
Again, leave us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. We love reading them. Take your feedback into account. And uh, I'd like to hear from people who have been listening and just uh, get your thoughts on it. So thanks so much again. And until the next time, I will wish everybody very happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pascoe, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and happy language learning.